What is up, everybody? Welcome back to First Down Rundown, where we give you a holistic view of the world of sports. Whether you're a casual fan or an avid fan, this is the place for you. We're your two hosts. I'm Hayden Vozar. He's Matt Vozar. Today is Sunday, September 3rd. Another weekend episode for you guys. We are rounding out the NFL previews. Today is our third out of four, so our fourth is going to be later on this week on Wednesday. Today is NFC North and NFC West. Some kind of boring divisions, I would say. Probably more boring than our first two. I think our first two were probably, you know, they they had the AFC East and the and the NFC East in them. So, you know, very, very strong fan bases there. But NFC North is more mild. And I would say that NFC West is probably even more mild than that. So um gonna be talking about some some teams that you probably haven't heard about much in the news or at least the mainstream news at all. If if you're not really researching these teams, you probably haven't heard about them much in the offseason, but we have some insight for you guys today about offseason pickups, coaching changes, and then also just kind of all-around predictions for how we think they're going to fare this year. So excited about these teams today. The Packers are in this episode, Matt's favorite team. Uh, my buddy Will, which I've had Will on this on this podcast before, if you guys have listened to me, you know, back a couple of years ago, actually, we I, I had Will on an episode. And he's also my roommate, and he likes the Lions. And so he kind of helped me with with previewing the Lions this year because he knows more about the Lions than I do, that's for sure. So it's going to be a fun episode. Um, definitely some teams that, you know, that that I know are appealing to to some of the closer people around me. So excited to kind of get into it and and see where we're at with the NFC North and the NFC West. Again, divisions that aren't really, don't really have that strong of fan bases, aren't really talked about much in the media, especially because the NFC West is is pretty lackluster just in general. But we're going to, yeah, we're going to get to it today. And and again, we're going to go in depth with these so that you guys don't really have to go out and research yourselves. You don't have to read a huge article that has a bunch of other jazz in it that you don't really need. You're going to be able to listen to us today for an hour, maybe an hour, 15 minutes, and then you guys will be, you guys will be set for the year with these teams. So hopefully you'll, you'll learn something today. I know that Matt and I will learn stuff as well from each other. So super excited to get into it. Matt is on the other end of the pod here. Or on the other end of the Zoom call. I don't know why I said pod. Matt, what's up? Um, feeling a little bit under the weather. I don't know what happened uh, uh yesterday afternoon. I don't know. I even Hayden, I talked to you on FaceTime and I was completely fine. And then like yeah, an hour later, I just started feeling weird. And uh and then this morning has kind of has kind of continued that. So my voice is gonna be a little bit a little bit weird, but that doesn't stop the grind as far as I'm concerned, there we especially go. when it comes to previewing these NFL teams. So and I think Hayden's kind of correct in, in saying that you know a lot of these teams are 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 either kind of a little bit more in in insofar as saying that they're a little bit more forgotten about kind of also just a little bit inconsistent right in the past couple of years of how it's been I mean we you know we saw last year the Lions were supposed to be horrible they ended up you know doing really well to end the season the Seahawks same you know pretty much the same deal we're supposed to be one of the worst teams in the NFL they end up you know making it to the, to the playoffs after a resurgence from Geno Smith so uh and then obviously you know the Rams two years ago won the Super Bowl and now they're you know one of the worst teams especially one of the worst defenses in the NFL so uh th- there's 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 definitely kind of some up and down or at least in recent years a lot of these teams have have had a lot of turnover in terms of not only you know the coaching staff and personnel and everything like that but but also just you know star players uh you know general manager just kind of the way that these teams are 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 kind of going and, and kind of planning to to move ahead uh is is has kind of changed in the last couple of years so I think it, it'll be good for both of us to kind of and as he said you know kind of learn 
kind of where we're at with these teams, where they're trying to go for this season, how how they'll fare this season, obviously kind of going over the win totals and, and where we think that they'll end up at the end of the season uh, after after kind of learning what has transpired in the course of the last year and the offseason for this year. Uh, and so I think that, you know, not necessarily talking about bona fide Super Bowl contenders. I mean, obviously the 49ers are, are probably the best team that we'll talk about today, but even them, you know, with the quarterback situation, it's a little bit up in the air. So, so not necessarily, you know, some, some the, the best teams in the league in this episode, but definitely, you know, teams that, that, uh, you know, that, that, like I said, are kind of, kind of in transition, or at least uh, will be, will be interesting to talk about to kind of see where we're at on these teams, obviously, you know, a week before we head into the season. And as we're recording this, Aiden, it's Sunday morning, which means that a week from today, we will be gearing up for the first week of NFL football, which I couldn't be more excited about. I cannot wait either. It's going to be, oh man, I, I, I love fall so much. That's the only way I can put it. And it's going to, it's going to be tough because I do all my homework on Sundays typically. And it doesn't really help when there's, you know, 10 hours of football on, on Sundays, but it's uh yeah, it's, it's going to be a grind, but I'd rather, I'd rather have football on and it distract me from doing my homework just a little bit than not have any football on and kind of just veg out on Sundays. So it's, I, I cannot wait to say the least, but, with that being said, we're going to get right into the action here with the NFC North. So the Lions are up here first, which is crazy to say, because if you would have said this, you know, three years ago, it it would have been everybody would have called you crazy. But the Lions do have the highest projected win total. If you guys haven't listened to our first two NFL previews here, I'm going to go over the the dynamic again, just in case you haven't been here before. But the way that we do it here is we preview the teams in descending order of projected win totals so the Lions have the most projected wins at nine and a half Vikings eight and a half and then so on through the rest of the division so again we're, we're kind of going in order of the projected best team to projected worst team in each division that we're going to cover today so Lions are up here first like I said nine and projected nine and a half wins which is super high I'd like to know the last time the Lions were projected to get nine and a half wins that that's it's again, it's just crazy to say that, but they had nine wins last year. And my first note here is that they had nine wins with the second worst scoring defense in the league. So their defense, while it may have looked pretty good on paper with, you know, Aiden Hutchinson that they drafted. And I think, yeah, they had Jeff Okuda too, which I don't, I don't even really know if he played. They, tra- they traded Jeff Okuda away, but they also added CJ Gardner Johnson and CJ Mosley. So two CJs in the offseason with, you know, perhaps the two best defensive CJs there are in the league CJ Gardner Johnson was a great corner for the uh, Eagles and then CJ Mosley's kind of been all over the place but most notably I think probably the um, the Ravens and or I guess Jets yeah probably probably more notably the Jets and he's been a great linebacker pretty much his whole his whole career so they added two bona fide starters and, and bona fide good players on that defense. They also drafted Jack Campbell, which is a pretty big help. Apparently he's been kind of tearing it up in uh training camp and preseason. So excited to see him play. And then obviously they still have Aiden Hutchinson. So this defense has been beefed up a lot. I mean, if you, if you just put them in the middle of the pack in terms of scoring defense and total defense, I think this team is, is definitely a playoff team. I mean, I, I don't even think that it's much of a question. I think they're going to be really good in that in that regard. Their running back room is also a lot better. I mean, it, it kind of got flipped totally. I think this is one of the, it's kind of a weird dynamic. This is one of the only teams in the league it, it seems like that actually got two new running backs and traded away two running backs. So they traded away DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams ended up bringing in 
David Montgomery, and then they they drafted Jameer Gibbs. So David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs are two brand new running backs to this offense. I don't think it's going to matter that much, and I would say that those two guys are probably even better additions than Jamal Williams and, and DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift kind of had some injury trouble most of his time there, and Jamal Williams was mainly just a touchdown, you know, goal line back. So I think we're going to see some some great versatility, especially with Jameer Gibbs. I mean, he's a, he's a great pass catcher. They might even use him in the slot like the like the like, uh, like the Falcons are going to use B. John Robinson. I don't think it's going to be as much of a phenomenon in, in Detroit as it will with B. John Robinson in Atlanta. But I think G- Jameer Gibbs is really still going to make a huge impact there. And then David Montgomery is just, you know, he's, he's kind of a middle of the pack guy. Uh, he, he never really did too too much in Chicago, but again, he's going to be a good a good option behind Jameer Gibbs. And then I think that the last thing I'm going to say here, I think that people forget that Jared Goff's been to a Super Bowl. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl with the Rams in what was it, uh, 2018, 20s, yeah, 2018, something like that, against the Patriots. Ended up being the most boring Super Bowl of all time. It's known as being the most boring Super Bowl of all time, which you know, it's kind of funny. I don't I don't mean to harp on Jared Goff here, but it's kind of a, like I don't think it's I don't think it's a coincidence that Jared Goff played in the most boring Super Bowl in history. But um, but still, he went to a Super Bowl. He was in it for most of the game, and then you know Tom Brady ended up being able to edge him out. But yeah, I mean he's been to a Super Bowl. He's he's a good quarterback, and if he's good to put if he's put in a good scheme, which I think that they've built a pretty good scheme around him. Dan Campbell's done a great job with changing the culture of this team. I think I think the Lions are easily going to be a playoff team this year. They've just got a really, really solid team. And again, Jared Goff, people have been doubting him, but I think he's shown the past couple of seasons. He's improved, definitely. And I think he's shown the past couple of seasons that he he's able to get it done. And he's he's able to go out there and, and actually lead his team and be a quarterback rather than some other quarterbacks in this league that may not really be, you know, the best leaders or the best players and leaders um in, in combinations. So that's my notes on the on the Lions here. I think that they're gonna be a pretty good team this year. I, they're they're definitely an interesting team. Uh, last year, obviously, we saw it, and this is just kind of, again, gonna gonna probably be uh, weirdly enough, kind of a story for for a couple of these teams that we discussed today. But uh, the Lions started one and six last year, and then ended the season eight and two. So if there's anything that says you know this team found something, you know, after their bye week, that's uh, that that is that is all of what the Lions encompass, especially, you know, kind of just hearing those stats and, and then obviously seeing the play, uh, you know, that we had on the field. And, and Hayden's exactly right. I mean, the offense returns, they have, I think, arguably, probably maybe behind the Eagles, the best offensive line in football. Uh, Panay Sewell has has kind of been exactly what we thought he would be and taking the, you know, kind of a top 10 pick there a couple years ago and and they've and they've kind of just solidified everything else uh and then and then right the offensive scheme is is exactly what you would want with a quarterback like Jared Goff who's not you know not necessarily the most talented thrower of the ball in all of football but you you get some weapons around him and he's able to he's able to take directions and and do what you know do what the uh do what the system wants him to do and and we saw that exact same thing happen in 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 uh in Los Angeles with with the Rams and Sean McVay so and and the mastermind behind all this guy named Brian Johnson, he's the offensive coordinator. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they have any any similar level of success this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Brian Johnson is the next, you know, hot topic name for for a head coach for kind of, you know, depending on who who gets fired first and, and when you know, when all the coaching drama occurs at some point, you know, here in the in the regular season. So so Brian Johnson is is again a great offensive coordinator, probably gonna be, you know, a head coach this this coming, well, this time next year, he'll probably be a head coach in the NFL. And so 
you know, does that say a lot about kind of, you know, are the Lions super dependent on him? You know, I, I think that's probably there's an argument that could be made for that. Uh, the, the Lions defense is definitely nothing to be desired, I think. Uh, you know, Hayden mentioned that C.J. Mosley and C.J. Gardner-Johnson, also known as C.J. G.J., uh, who suffered a non-contact injury, knee injury, I think early in camp, around the end of July. And they haven't said how long he's going to be out, but it's it's not, you know, it's not nothing. They're saying it's not serious, but it's also, you know, he, he's had injury issues in the past as well. And and he was a contributor for the for the Eagles, but he wasn't necessarily you know, James Bradbury or Darius Slay, who were absolutely locking down the secondary in Philadelphia last year. So overall, this team is going to be very high scoring and they're going to allow a lot of points on the defensive end as well. So I think, you know, the, the, the games are at least going to be entertaining, which they were last year as well. And we saw that kind of happen throughout the season, even the first game they played the Eagles I remember last year I bet on the Lions against the Eagles last year in week one which looking back you're like oh my god you bet on the you bet against the Eagles in week one well guess what happened the Eagles were winning as they did in most games were winning by like 14 you know 17 points at halftime and kind of just let the Lions get back into it and it was like a 38 to 34 game or something like that the Lions ended up covering the spread so uh I think I feel that that kind of encompasses what the Lions games are going to look like as well this year I just I don't trust that that the offensive scheme is going to always be able to put up as many points as the defense is going to allow, especially because, too, with all of the expectation coming into the Lions this season, this is the first time they've had expectations. Right. And and they've been you know, they've been kind of good at covering the spread in the past few years, which is why I think kind of there's been some positivity around you know, the, 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 what the lions can produce on the field. And then we obviously saw last year where they go eight and two to end the regular season. And, and this is the kicker is the fact that their last game, the final game was in green Bay against Aaron Rodgers, in which a game, you know, f- for a game in which the Packers, if the, if the Packers win that game, they go to the playoffs as a wild card team. And if they lose that game, they're out of the playoffs. And it's obviously, you know, as we know now, Aaron Rodgers last game in Lambeau, the last game with the Packers and the lions fight hard and they win that game. Now, after kind of and, and we talked about the Jets and, and how Aaron Rodgers is going to fare this year and that, you know, the he just wasn't happy with the Packers and they didn't have really any wide receivers with any type of experience and just kind of the, the whole situation was just pretty bad last year. And I think is I don't think he's going to be that great this year coming up either. But but I think that, you know, that was kind of our lasting image of what the Lions were last year, not only you know, the eight and two run to end the season, but their last game being, uh, you know, a, a triumphant victory over a rival, which really they seemingly have not gotten in the past, basically, you know, 10, 10 years or so uh, to kind of, you know, to kind of not let the Packers get in the playoffs. And it's just, it's just, that's, if that's the image, the last, that's the lasting image. And then obviously all this, you know, the, the, the craziness with the offense and a monitor saying Brown's going to be a, you know, an amazing, amazing fantasy product this year. If they had got, let's say that Lions had made the playoffs last year as the, you know, as the nine and eight team and wild card or whatever, and they go to Minnesota in the first, you know, the first round of the playoffs, I feel like they get smacked by Minnesota. And in that case, we're not thinking about the Lions as all we've seen them do is win in the last, you know, the the, the whole recency bias thing. No, we saw them probably, we, we saw them lose in the playoffs in, in pretty embarrassing fashion. Like, so I think that there's a big disconnect between there. And, and I think that, you know, for as much hype as the Lions have coming into the season, I don't, I don't see them. I mean, again, you know, they're, they're projected to be the best team in this division. I don't, I don't see them like far and away the best team in this division. Uh, and and so I think that we, we kind of just have to hold our horses a little bit on, on all the hype and expectations for the line coming in lions coming into the season, simply because we saw them end the season last year in such positive, in such a positive light, but like they didn't even make the playoffs. And if they did make the playoffs, they were probably going to get beat pretty badly, you know, 
eventually, right? And so that would have been then our lasting image of the, of the Lions, and we would have seen some holes in the defense, I'm sure. So I don't know. I think, you know, overall, I'm glad that the, that this team has actually kind of turned it around. As Hayden said, Dan Campbell's completely changed around the culture there, uh, and, and I'm excited to see what, you know, what the possibilities are for the for the Lions this season. But I'm just – I don't think I'm, I'm necessarily as high on them as being, a, as Hayden said, a, a, a for-sure playoff team. I don't necessarily see it all the time. All right. Well, that's that's all right. Got a little bit of de- deferring opinions here. Well, it is time to make a decision on this win total here. Again, the line is set at nine and a half. I'm going to go over because of what I've said, just to kind of keep my my arguments consistent here. I was praising them a lot in my in my analysis, and so I'm going to go over. I think that 10 wins is not really far off. 10, 10 and 7, I mean, they again, like Matt said, they went 8 and 2 to finish the season last year. Yes, they didn't make the playoffs. They still had nine wins last year, and like I said, with with how bad their defense was last year, I just don't know if bolstering that defense, I don't know how that's going to make them worse because their offense isn't getting any worse. And so if their defense got better, I feel like it's just going it, to, it's got to give them at least one more win, right, than last year. They got nine wins last year. I think they're going to get at least 10 this year. So give me, give me the over. I'm going to go under slightly. I mean, I, I don't see I don't see them being necessarily a, a you know a team with a, a losing record, but I could see the nine and eight, eight and nine, you know, pretty, pretty well, uh, just because, again, there's 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 a lot of I think that, you know, I, I don't know. I just think I think I think there's there was so much there was almost too much positivity and too much expecta- expectations coming into the season for a team that really hasn't done much um, besides have a good run to end last season. And you know, yes, the offense is going to be good, but you know, you still have game. I mean, their first game is at the chiefs, right? That's, that's probably going to be a loss. They play at the Ravens. They play at the chargers. You know, they play the Broncos. They play the Cowboys. No other team in the NFC North plays the Cowboys. They play at the Cowboys. So, and I perceive that as a loss, right? So just, I think that the, the way the schedule kind of turns out and, and I think, you know, with everything, given how, how much hype this team has coming into the season, I, I think it'll probably be a little bit of a letdown. And, and again, a still a, you know, a positive result. Cause again, we're used to the Lions being consistently one of the worst teams in the NFL. I, I don't see that happening, but I don't necessarily see a double-digit win season in the books. Alrighty, moving on to this next team in the NFC North. Like I said, it's the Vikings sitting at eight and a half wins, which is, a, I think this is probably going to be the toughest decision I have today in terms of trying to pick a trying to pick either over or under on this win total. So just prefacing that, my notes here. Um, I don't really have many on the Vikings. Again, it's. I think they're very much a similar team from last year. They, they added Jordan Addison in the draft, probably the most notable addition to this team. Their defense, though, is the question. And they let go of Zadarius Smith, who was, I would say, a huge part of that defense, that, that defensive front. They traded him to the Browns, and they didn't really get many people. I, I think that their linebackers are pretty nice. Like they're they're pretty, they're probably the highlight of this defense, but the secondary sucks i mean i would say it's probably bottom three bottom five secondaries in all the nfl so yeah it's really bad harrison smith is still back there at safety but he's i mean he's getting pretty old i think he's 32 ish at this point so probably not you know probably not the best to have a 32 year old at at safety and highlight him as your best part of your secondary um they just i think they have a bunch of young guys at corner but they're just not really good like you just haven't really heard of them i read a list of their corners and i I swear I have not heard of one of them. I guess I uh, I think Patrick Peterson like maybe retired or went somewhere. Else. I don't know, but he I think he's he was, on the I think he's on the Steelers now. Oh oh wow okay yeah. well good for the Steelers. But yeah, he used to be on the secondary and he left, and so they're kind of left with nothing. So I would say that the only hope that they have for this defense is that Brian Flores is the defensive coordinator. 
but with how bad the secondary is, I just don't know if Brian Flores is going to be able to get it done, especially like I know Brian Flores is his blitzing schemes are really, really good. But if you don't have a secondary to cover with a blitz with a blitz, I guess blitzes kind of like help out your secondary and get to the quarterback faster. So your secondary doesn't have to cover for as long during plays. But I just I feel like teams are going to be able to throw all, all over the secondary. So I'm not really confident. Again, Brian Flores is a great coach, but. I just don't know if he's going to be able to get it done with with the uh, the depth chart uh, in this in this Minnesota defense. And then the, the second note that I have is that Alexander Madison. This has got more on a positive note. He's basically just Dalvin Cook 2.0, as you saw when Dalvin whenever Dalvin Cook got hurt, Alexander Madison came in and did everything that Dalvin Cook was able to do. I mean, he was he was essentially the same player. He looks like the same player too. He has he has dreads coming out the back of his helmet, like he's. He's Dalvin Cook in every sense that Dalvin Cook isn't. And I think that he actually might be better. I have a, a little bit of a hot take theory here, but I think Alexander Madison is able, he's proven that he's able to stay healthy as opposed to Dalvin Cook, who was always struggling with injury. You never really knew when Dalvin Cook was going to actually play for Minnesota. And I think, I think that Alexander Madison with the consistency that he's going to provide at the running back position, a guy that's, that's going to be tough and that's going to run really, really hard, but also a guy that hopefully won't get hurt as often as Dalvin Cook. I think that the consistency he's going to provide is actually going to make him even a better option at running back. He's also he's also probably taking less money than Dalvin Cook demanded. So hopefully that'll kind of enable Minnesota to, kind of, you know, to, to build more around him on that offense. And then obviously, you know, Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, they have a, a really, really good wide receiver core. You know, everybody's saying that they're like number one. I mean, dude. They lost Adam Thielen and it their top two are Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison. We haven't even seen Jordan Addison play in the NFL yet. So I don't know why people are, are calling this a top receiving core. I understand that Justin Jefferson is on another planet in terms of the level that he plays at, but you can't just call them one of the best wide receiver cores in the league. If you only know about one player on their receiving core, like it, it, that doesn't really add up in my opinion. So yeah, this, this Viking teams is, is, is really hard because they made it to the playoffs last year. They had something like 10 wins, but I'm sure Matt's going to talk about how close their games were last year. And that's going to be, I, I definitely understand that, but I'll let Matt talk about it because I know that last year he had a problem with the Vikings making the playoffs. So that's my analysis here. Um, and yeah, we'll get to our win total after, but I'm I'm not too, too high on the Vikings this year. I mean, I didn't have a problem with the Vikings making the playoffs. I just picked against them in the first game, even despite yeah. that, you know, despite the fact that it was the Giants, right? Because it, it they were a very fraudulent team all year long. And and it's and just the way that, you know, they were able to come back in games and and it it like it's just it's just it's un it's unsustainable. And you think about it, I mean, I think I think they went I want to say ten and one in one score games or something like that. So it's just like the luck is on your side there. Kirk Cousins. The man himself had nine game-winning drives last season. Nine, I think. I think that's it's it's either, it's like tied for the record most all time in a season. I think the next the next closest last season uh, was I think like five or four or five. So he basically doubled the amount of game-winning drives than any other quarterback had. And you just think about all season. I mean that Bills game, right? Where like they're losing the whole time. And then you know they get a miracle touchdown. Okay, cool. And then they you know they back up the Bills. Josh Allen fumbles the ball out of the end zone. The, the Vikings recover it in the end zone and they get a touchdown off of that. Then they're driving down the field and you have you know Jeff Justin Jefferson makes one of the. I mean obviously he you know if anyone was if anyone was to make that catch it would be him. But 
like one handed in double coverage catch on like fourth and 17. They go down and they, you know, they get a field goal. They win the game against the bills. Uh, you know, obviously the, 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 I think it was the week before Christmas. Someone was on a Saturday. They play the Colts and they're down what third, like 34 to three in the first, after the first half that ends yeah. up being <laughs> the largest comeback in the history of the NFL. When the Vikings win that game, like just insane stuff where, you know, if you're looking at it from a, t- a statistics perspective, like, all of all of that luck, all of that, and again, yeah, some of it's luck, some of it's actually right. They Kirk Cousins called plays in the huddle and threw the ball to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson, you know, at the end of the year, and the defense stepped up when it had to. So yeah, to a certain extent, like it, the team won these games, but you can't rely on that the team, you know, being in those types of positions and winning those games every single year and every single time that they're in one of those situations. So it, that the, that the you know that statistical anomaly and everything associated with that is bound to regress to the mean and essentially essentially that you know this time if, if Kirk Cousins is is uh, is face of the game-winning drive he's probably only going to win four or five of them which is still really good but just you know nothing like it was last year and then obviously right you have the playoff game where they lose to, they lose outright to the Giants at home and that kind of sends everybody you know away thinking okay yeah this is probably what the you know what what the what the Vikings would have done right is they probably you know if they didn't have so many game winning drives they didn't have so many lucky uh you know lucky wins to go I think they ended up going 13 to 4 like it was insane out of nowhere right then they're coming to the playoffs as like a wild card 9 and 8 team and they lose in the first round of the playoffs that is a completely acceptable result for what we thought the Vikings were going into last season right obviously with kind of the Packers regressing as well and so I think about it as almost the opposite of the Lions, where the Vikings had had just everybody knew how lucky they were getting and saying that, you know, they don't deserve to be this good. They don't deserve the 13 to four record. They, you know, serves them right. They lost in the first round of the playoffs. And realistically, this team is is kind of the same as last year. I mean, obviously, right. You know, the defense was bad last year. You know, they they bring in they bring in Brian Flores, who's a good defensive coordinator, but his scheme is is almost the exact opposite of what the Vikings were running last year. Last year was a lot of drop back, you know, zone coverage, kind of kind of just keep everything in front of you. They weren't trying to get a give away the big play, whereas Brian Flores brings a very again, very opposite style of defense where he's sending blitzes every time he's doing a lot of man. He's he's he's, he's sending guys at the quarterback, you know, all the time. So. It's it's going to be a shift for this defense, which already, and as Hayden mentioned, I think did a good job in kind of describing the personnel. They don't have, you know, they don't have the guys. And the, the one guy they did have, you know, Zarius Smith, they traded away. So so for for Brian Flores to be bringing in this, this whole new defensive scheme with, uh, you know, a, a, a roster that doesn't even have as much talent as it did last year, I, I don't necessarily know how that's going to fare. And so in similarity with the Lions, I think that this is a team that's going to score a lot of points and a team that's going and a defense that's going to give up a lot of points. And so, I mean, when we get these, these, these Vikings Lions games this year are going to be like scored in the sixties. I mean, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be just, just an offensive, uh, you know, an offensive fireworks type of type of performance overall. The way that they've, you know, the way that they're they're kind of handling their trades and, and the personnel and the GM has even kind of come out and said they kind of realized last year was a fluke and and they're and they're kind of trying to build behind the scenes and and kind of I guess essentially rebuild behind the scenes in trading away Zadarius Smith and in, in, in you know bringing in Brian Flores and, and kind of you know trying to make this a little bit of a team that's just kind of treading water right now and they're going to try to kind of try to rebuild it I guess kind of once Kirk Cousins is out of there and whatever um and so and trading away Devin Cook obviously too so so they're kind of they're stashing money they're stashing picks and I think that they're going to try to kind of rebuild this going forward so in terms of like 
again, the, the crazy success that the, line, that the Vikings saw last season, I think the GM was kind of even understood that and was like, we, we probably shouldn't have been as lucky as we were. And, and therefore is kind of making moves that, that almost look like that, you know, they're kind of trying to rebuild in the future. So I don't, I don't see the Vikings. obviously I don't see the Vikings being as good as they were last season. They still have a lot of talent. I, I think they're still going to be okay. Uh, but, but obviously, you know, it, it's, it's, it's going to be tough having, having so much go in your favor last year and almost expect by the end of the season, expecting to win games where you're down or you're, you know, you're down at halftime or, or, you know, that you're kind of down on the last drive of the game and expecting Kirk cousins to, to bring you back. But again, you know, I think to a certain extent, like the offense pretty much all stays the same besides Dalvin Cook, who wasn't even that good anyway. And Hayden said, I think Alexander Madison is going to be just, a you know, as fine a replacement as any uh, for him. So so the offense doesn't really change that much. And that's an offense that, again, had nine game winning drives last year. So while I I, I think that, you know, the Vikings are, are trying to probably, you know, kind of start rebuilding, you know, maybe in a couple years, a.k.a. they're not really trying to go 13 and four again this season. I still think that they have enough pieces and the offense is going to be able to score enough points to where, you know, they, they might still be okay, you know, throughout the, throughout the course of the season. All right. I made my decision while Matt was talking and I'm going to go under eight and a half here. I just don't see them. I don't see them winning nine games this year. I think that last year they, it, it was just way too fluky. Their record was way too fraudulent. And so I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm I'm gonna go under eight and a half here. It, again, it was tough, but I've made my decision. So under eight and a half. I'm going to go over, I think, again, just a slight, like, again, I, I could very much, like, it's almost like I see in my mind the Lions and the Vikings both finishing at nine and eight. Like, that's just, and that's a perfect NFC North. Like, they probably beat each other once, right? Like, just just kind of everybody lining up all with the same record and, and not 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 one great team or not, you know, one terrible team. Uh, so, so, yeah, so give me an over on the Vikings. Again, I think that just... Yes, they're going to regress. They went 13 and four last season. The win total is eight and a half. So if they if they lose four more games than they did last season, they're still going over this win total. So that's kind of my in general, like I can't you can't expect them to regress, I think, too much because, again, they still have all the same offensive pieces as last year. So, uh, again, slight over. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up going eight, and nine or whatever. But I don't I, I see them going like 10 and seven more than I do seven and 10. I guess that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. All right, moving on to the Packers here at the third team in the NFC North. They're sitting at seven and a half projected wins. This is this is also kind of tough, uh, but I think that the Packers are a better team than people are projecting them to be. Everybody's been hating on Jordan Love, but let me tell you, he actually looks pretty promising in preseason. He did a pretty good job, and he backed up an all-time QB. I mean, we've seen this time and time again. It's, it, it is a thing. It is not just it, – it hasn't just happened, right? If you back up an all-time QB for as long as Jordan Love has for a few years now, Aaron Rodgers, th- th- there's no way that Aaron Rodgers was not teaching this guy behind the scenes. I mean, we we saw them talking on the sidelines all the time, and Aaron Rodgers likes this guy. I mean, he's tweeted out to him, I think, multiple times, like in almost like I'm rooting for you or like, you know, go get him, go prove him wrong, basically. Like, I'm pretty sure that he's he's literally tweeted to Jordan Love to prove the haters wrong, which I think is great. And Aaron Rodgers is 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 a great mentor. I don't really care what anybody says about him. He's a great mentor. And again, he backed up Brett Favre and look where he's at now. And then so I think it's going to be kind of a little bit a little bit of a domino effect with Jordan Love. I I don't know if Jordan Love is going to be Aaron Rodgers level <laughs> right off the bat like Aaron Rodgers was, but I think he's still going to be very very much better than people are projecting him projecting him to be just because he you know had a couple of bad passes whenever he came in for Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, and the few times that he did in the past. 
I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna really matter that much. He's a starter now. He's bona fide starter. Well, not bona fide. He's he's the for sure starter in Green Bay now. So I think that we should give him some credit for that. They they got the best running back in the room in the league too. I mean, I've said this for years. They have Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, two of the best running back. I mean, you put those guys in combination with each other. AJ Dillon's quads are the are the size of redwood trees, and so you can't. I mean, you can't look at that and say that he's not going to make an impact. And then Aaron Jones is. I mean, he's possibly like one of the one of the best running backs is at creating nothing or creating something out of nothing. So um, yeah, two of the most versatile backs in the league. I mean, AJ Dillon, I think could be the starter in this offense, the three down back in this offense, and they would still be really good. But adding Aaron Jones to that mix is, is just still insane. And then their defense has always been pretty stacked. Even in past years, they, I mean, they've had very much a similar roster to past years and they do this year again, but Joe Barry, their defensive coordinator is the problem. He's super conservative, super conservative. He just makes this defense underperform year in and year out. And that's my concern with this defense. They have, they have a good roster. I mean, like I, I probably know more Packers defensive players than most other teams in the league, but I just can't really be confident in them because they've always underperformed. They just never really seem to be able to kind of, you know, work as a cohesive unit and bring it together every year. And I think that Joe Barry is probably the reason for that. He is on the hot seat this year. If he doesn't do well this year, he's, he's gone. He's out of there. So look to the, look to the Joe Barry to be the difference for this defense. And then I think you should look to the defense for being the difference, the overall difference for this team to hold up a rookie. I mean, not, not a rookie of a, a first year starter in Jordan love. I think that the defense is really going to be, you know, the X factor and we got to see how they perform, but I'm higher on the Packers this year than most people are. Uh, as am I, and it's not just because I'm a fan. And believe me, it's going to sound like I'm a homer. It's going to sound like I'm bandwagon. I love the, I love my team, so I'm going to have them, you know, do amazing this year. I bet under on the, or I went under on the Packers last year. I didn't actually bet it, but I said it. I said under on the podcast here. Uh, I wasn't surprised when they performed badly, just with everything that was going on with Aaron Rodgers. I kind of saw the writing on the wall, and yeah, it's it, it wasn't going well this year. I'm excited and mostly because there's no expectations for this team. Right. Uh, and, and I think that's kind of where I'm at now, obviously I've listened to a ton of NFL previews and just, again, pretty much, you know, division previews and, and podcasts and, and read articles and whatever. It, it does seem like a lot of the, the people that I respect, at least, especially in the betting space also love the Packers uh, for, for a multitude of reasons. And I think that Hayden did, did very well in explaining kind of the, the transition to Jordan love, which is not going to be what I think what most people think it is. Obviously it's a drop off in talent from Aaron Rodgers, but is it a drop off in overall production? I don't, I don't really think so. Aaron Rodgers, again, he was really bad last year. Uh, And so I think coming into this year, obviously, right. You have a great offensive line, you know, probably top 10 in the league, right? Obviously Hayden said, you know, two great running backs to support the, to to support Jordan love uh, in his, uh, in his, uh, in his endeavors in his first year starting. And then obviously as Hayden mentioned too, the defense, which is extremely talented, I think five or six years in a row, they spent their first round pick on, on uh, defensive players, which is good because that's how you build, you know, that's how you build defense. And right. Despite all that talent, despite all that young production or despite all that young talent, we don't see as much production. And that's, I think, you know, a, a kind of an indictment on Joe Barry, as Hayden mentioned too. So I think, I think kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really lockstep with Hayden on all of this kind of what, what he's been saying, the way I'm going to put it, the way I'm going to phrase it, which hopefully, you know, makes a little bit of sense in, in terms of like why overall, I think the Packers are going to have a lot of success this year. First off, just straight up, up, straight up and down, they face the easiest schedule of pass defenses in the entire NFL this season. And so what's better for a first year starter who, again, 
has been in the league for three years already. He even took a pay cut this season or like in, in the off season, he, he was basically like, yeah, I restructured my contact that or my, my contract. That's totally fine. Which is the opposite of what we saw with Aaron Rodgers when he was there. Right. Who just wanted more and more and more money. Uh, Jordan loves like, Hey, put, put guys around me so that I can be successful. And that's what I like to hear, especially, you know, in contrast to what Aaron Rodgers was doing. They, they face the easiest schedule of pass defenses, and that's a perfect situation for a first-year starting quarterback who, yes, has learned on, under Aaron Rodgers and has been in the league and, and been around this team for three years now and has a great offensive line. So, like, he's going to have time to throw, and he's not going to be throwing against tough defenses. And that's that's a perfect situation. I mentioned the the, the Vikings and the Lions earlier, basically, like, they're going to both, they're you know, both teams are going to score a ton of points and they're going to give, give up a ton of points. And the other team you have in this division is the bears who might have the worst defense in the NFL. So like just in that alone, six out of your 17 games are against other teams, in the NFC North, all of which probably have bottom 10 defenses in the entire NFL. So like just that right there sets up great for Jordan love behind again, a, a very experienced and, and one of the best offensive lines in the league overall though, here's my kind of my, my overall, you know, paint, paint the picture for, for where we're going. A, a team that's built on defense should also be a team that's built on running the ball, right? Did that just very simply because you're going to, you're good. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're focusing on defense. You want to limit the possessions of the other team. You want to dry out, dry out the possessions on your own team. And I think that with a team, that's a good defense, like the Packers have and a team that has two great running backs, as I mentioned, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, that, that is, that is a successful way to build a team. But when you stick Aaron Rodgers right in the middle of it, a guy who throughout his whole career. And again, he was great for the time that he was there. And for the time that he was there, the Packers, you know, they had, yeah, they had a number one wide receiver, but they, they didn't, they never had a running game. They never had a defense. So the two biggest strengths of this team are the running game and the defense right now, both of which Aaron Rodgers never had when he was there in Green Bay. And so as they've transitioned into picking a lot of these first round, you know, using their first round picks on a lot of these defensive guys, transitioning to a more, you know, defensive heavy team, as well as, you know, drafting AJ Dillon and, and inserting him into the lineup as kind of this bell cow back. They've transitioned their style of how they want to build this team to a defensive run focused team. And Aaron Rodgers had never had that the entire time that he was there. So it almost was like they were planning behind the scenes. Like we know that he's going to leave at some point, either that, you know, either leave for another team or retire. And we know that we drafted Jordan Love. I mean, they drafted him in the first round. It was a reach when they made the pick. I was like, what the heck are we doing? I'm, I'm, I hate this team, right? They knew his skills and his weaknesses as a quarterback, and they built the team around him. So they've they've in the background out of all this Aaron Rodgers drama, they've been building to support the team for for Jordan Love. And I think that obviously we saw in the preseason, as Hayden said, Jordan Love is is looking really good. So I, I love the way that this team is looking going into the season. I love that there's no expectations, and I think that there aren't going to be that many expectations either. Like if Jordan Love sucks. That's fine. It's his first year starting. They're going to give him time, and he knows he's the number one quarterback. He knows that there's nobody, you know, kind of lurk, uh, lurking behind him to to steal that role. And the guys in the locker room love him, apparently, from what I read. So, so yeah, I am all over the Packers this season. Uh, yeah, over seven and a half. I already bet it. It was at like minus one forty five. I didn't care. I took it. Uh, and and I think that I I would not be surprised if they won the division this year. So that's my I guess hot take of the episode so far. Um, and, and again, not saying this because I'm a I'm, I'm a homer or a fan. I hope that the way I explained it makes it it makes it sound non objective or makes it sound as objective as possible, and not from a, you know a Packers fan who who's excited about his team after uh you know a Hall of Fame quarterback has left. <laughs> Yeah, I completely agree. I think that Matt's analysis for the Packers there is great with that defensive run scheme based argument. Knowing that Jordan Love was going to come in and be this team's quarterback of the future, I think that that's a great analysis by Matt. So 
I love it. Yeah, over over seven and a half for me too. I think that they, yeah, I could I could definitely see them have a winning record. And so seven and a half, I mean, that's 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 pretty. It's a pretty low ball number for a team that's looking like they could have they could definitely have a winning record. All right, moving on to the Bears here, the last team in the NFC North. They're also sitting at seven and a half wins, so pretty even, pretty even spread across this division in terms of win totals. I mean, highest is nine and a half, lowest is seven and a half. So we got. Justin Fields still playing behind a, a pretty bad line. They added Darnell Wright and I think Nate Davis from the uh, from the Titans, which are two. I mean, Darnell Wright out of Tennessee, he's 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 a, or not, yeah, out of Tennessee. Uh, he's he's a great offensive lineman to add. And Nate Davis, I think, was also pretty good in Tennessee. But still, I think this line is is a little bit. I don't know. It's a, it's a little bit underwhelming. It's it's a little bit tough to call them much better. And so I think that Justin Fields is still going to be you know kind of running for his life back there maybe not as much as last season so you may not see as many 70 yard touchdown runs from from Justin Fields maybe you will because he's a freak athlete but I just still am questioning a little bit how well Fields is going to be able to do behind this this offensive line because people are so high on Fields this year especially in fan I mean in fantasy it's it's understandable because he does have so much run potential but in overall success of this team I don't know if Fields is going to fare as as well as people think he's going to fare everybody's so high on the bears this year, but it's just, it's a little hard to believe with, with field still playing behind that rough offensive line. Their defense could be good. They still have Eddie Jackson at safety. Um, and I think that they play, they, they picked up another dude at safety as well. I, I forget his name, but I don't know if it's going to be good enough to hold up an offense that will most likely struggle again this year. So my argument with this bears team is, is kind of short and sweet, but it's basically that, if your offense is going to struggle, which more likely than not, this Bears offense is going to probably struggle more than people are are expecting. I don't know if their defense is good enough to hold up an offense that's most likely going to struggle. And I think that when the offense does struggle, I think that this defense is going to be maybe a little bit fragile, and, and, and they're just going to have a hard time kind of making up for that, those offensive struggles. So I think that this team may not have as as much of a cohesive offense and defense combination as, as you'd like to see entering a season. And so that's, I mean, that's why that that's why they're sitting at the bottom in terms of, you know, projected win totals. I think that right. Vegas knows. And even though the public is, is so hype about Justin Fields this year, he's not the whole team, unfortunately. So I, I think that we're going to see the bears have a pretty tough season again this year. I do too, for sure. Uh, it's, it's Justin Fields is one of the, one of the most bet MVP players so far in the NFL, like what? No, like not, not even close. I put him on my bust list in our last fantasy episode. Go check out the fantasy episode that, that we, uh, that we most recently posted last week at the, uh, at the end of last week. I, it just, he has no help. Like he's a good athlete. He's a, he's a good quarterback. He's, he's shown that he can be a good player in the NFL, but like drafting Darnell Wright is, is a good start. Okay, cool. And they signed Trevon Jackson. Then Trevon Jackson is now out for like most of the year. Right. So like they, they have a rookie offensive lineman anchoring that offensive line, which was horrible last year, probably the worst in the NFL, probably still is, right? And on defense, you, you sign Tremaine Edmonds for like $55 million and 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 that's it. Like defensive backfield is horrible. The rest of the defensive line is, is bad. So I, I just don't, I, I don't like the outlook for this team this year. And and I'm, I'm not even gonna spend that much time on it because I've already said it. And I said it in the last episode, and I think I said it in another episode too, where like, again, it's just, it, it just, this is the way it is. I said that the, on this episode last year, this version of this episode where we're doing the wind totals and everything, 
I said under, under, under on the Bears. I said they could probably end up with the worst record in the league. And guess what? They were the number one pick, which means, I mean, they tied, but they had the worst record in the league, enough to get the number one pick in the NFL draft. They obviously traded away. And, and again, that's a that's a good thing. That's a smart team-building activity that they did because they know they already have their quarterback, so they want to, yes, get more picks and, and get more offensive line. I, good. I think they're building the team the right way. Right way. Ryan Poles is their GM, and I think he's doing a really good job there. But the hype on this team, simply because of Justin Fields, is not going to turn out into anything special, especially nothing over seven and a half wins. I mean, you can miss me with that all day long. So, no, I don't think they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. But here's the deal. They went three and 14 last year, and now we're talking about a win total of seven and a half, and they got DJ Moore and Tremaine Edmonds. Like, DJ Moore and Tremaine Edmonds are not worth five wins, okay? So, uh, yeah, that's just, again, you just kind of have to, a lot of times with these win totals, and again, it used to be that they would set the win totals like, well, again, because not as many people were betting on them, and so, you know, the, the people who bet on them, you know, moved the market, but they were setting these win totals as kind of similar to what the team's record was last year, and we see with the Vikings and Bears are, are perfect examples in this division specifically of teams that overperformed in the Vikings and a team that underperformed in the Bears that are probably going to regress to the mean this year, but they're set at eight and a half and seven and a half respectfully. Again, all credence to, you know, the 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 what the teams are doing behind the scenes, I, I get all that, but like, the Vikings had 10 more wins than the Bears last season. They're not going to be both eight and nine this season. I, I just, I, I completely refuse to believe that. So yeah, I, just give me under all day on the Bears. I, I don't even care. I, I I was going to bet this. I'm like so close to it. The thing, the way I think I'm going to bet the Bears, because it's actually, it's it's plus odds instead of, I think the, I think it's like minus 115 or whatever to go under the seven and a half. I'm going to bet the Bears to finish last in the NFC North because, I mean, as we just said, the Lions and the Vikings are going to be probably, you know, they're probably going to end up near the top of the division. If not, you know, one of the teams are probably going to win it. As we just said, too, I am more than high on the Packers and are, you know, as are, as is Hayden, as are a lot of the people that I listen to and, and, and read about. So I think the only team that that is even kind of, you know, I mean, that, that's not going to even be near that eight and nine to nine and eight level is the Bears. And even if they are, they're probably going to lose tiebreakers and all that. So so I think it was like plus 120 or plus 130 or something to bet the Bears to, to finish last in the division. Um, that's the way I'd go with this. But definitely still feeling that under uh, pretty heavy. I am as well. I'm going to go under seven and a half as well. It's it's crazy to think that they went from going three and 14 to a team that's projected to get potentially eight wins this year like like matt said five yeah five wins is is not in the cards five <laughs> win difference from last season is, is just not in the cards for this team this year right with still one of the worst offensive lines in the league yeah and defense that was probably the worst in the in the league last year and, and only signed Tremaine Edmonds okay great like yeah. good luck winning five more games than he did last season it's not gonna happen now again they are playing pretty easy defensive backfields in the Vikings and the Lions specifically. Um, but but and that's you know four of your games. Okay, cool. And and the rest of their schedule is is I think you know pretty easy. So there's going to be some regression in terms, I guess, progression in terms of like they'll win more than three games, but not eight. Like they can't just they can't basically triple their win total from last year. It's just not possible when they haven't done anything in the offseason to actually you know be able to support that. All right, let's move into the NFC West. So the 49ers are up here first with 10 and a half wins, our first double digit win total projection of the day so far, and actually our only double digit win total projection. So again, kind of an underwhelming couple of divisions here, but 49ers, I mean, dude, <laughs> they've got basically a perfect offense. And I think that people need to also stop questioning Brock Purdy. Let me, let me give you this. I forget what week Brock Purdy came in as a starter, but 
I saw a stat that said that I think he it was like week I don't know thirteen or so it it was kind of he only started for maybe like four or five weeks but the stat lines that he had in those four or five games that he did start in the, the regular season games if he would have done that for all seventeen games if he would have started for all seventeen games and put up the numbers that he averaged over those four games that he actually did start he would have had something like thirty seven hundred yards thirty five touchdowns and like eight picks I mean the <laughs> what are we talking about here dude i mean nobody i i saw i also saw that in comparison to that i think nobody has done has thrown for 35 touchdowns or 35 plus touchdowns and 10 or less interceptions in like 10 years and or no there's only been like three players that have done it in the past 10 years or 20 years or whatever and they've all been either super bowl winners or mvps and it's like it's like patrick mahomes and tom brady and aaron Rodgers. It's like that that's nuts. I mean, this guy's putting up crazy numbers in the in the, the games that he's starting. So I think that people need to stop questioning him and actually give him the credit. Because again, he is in quite literally the best offensive scheme in the league. With Kyle Shanahan running that offense, we know how Kyle Shanahan gets down. And with possibly the best offensive weapons around Brock Purdy in the league in the best scheme, there's no way that this guy fails. There's no way that this guy's is, is, is actually gonna be questionable this year so I, I'd say that the offense is essentially perfect again he was he was Mr. Irrelevant last pick in the draft so he doesn't have the talent that we'd like to see but in this kind of offensive scheme there's I don't think there's no way that they succeed they got a new defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes uh, which is a little concerning if you guys didn't if you guys didn't watch them in preseason their run defense sucked they let up um, a league high 552 rushing yards across their four or three preseason games so um it's yeah, that's pretty bad. I mean, 552 rushing yards in, in three preseason games. is not ideal at all. So Steve Wilkes looking a little bit concerning here. They did have D'Amico Ryan's last year as a de- their defensive coordinator, which I think is, you know, going from him to Steve Wilkes is, is a pretty good downgrade, but they still got a lot of def- a lot of talent on the defense. So maybe that'll kind of make up for Steve Wilkes's uh, early struggles, I guess. Maybe he'll kind of find his way midseason. So I, I still project this team, this 49ers team, to be a, a very, very good team. I mean, we're talking in an NFC West division that is not good at all, except for the Seahawks, but 49ers still have so much more talent than basically every other team in the, in, this, in this division. So high on the 49ers, to say the least. Yeah, if we had done this, if we had, if we had done the NFC west as like the first or i guess part of the first uh preview episode that we did for for all these things i would have been your the biggest 49er hater on the entire planet because somehow brad purdy was able to basically tear his ucl have tommy john surgery and come back and be completely fine in the span of like seven months which i didn't think was possible um i actually as one of my like degenerate offseason bets I, I bet Sam Darnold to be the most improved player or to win, I think it was comeback player of the year it was like 65 to one or something because I'm like dude Sam Darnold is probably going to start at least half the season and by the time that Brock Purdy comes back seeming you know seeing that everyone succeeds in a Kyle Shanahan offense by the time Brock Purdy was going to come back uh you know Sam Darnold would have already been doing so well that they couldn't have taken him out for for Brock Purdy obviously that plan uh, went by the wayside when apparently Brock Purdy is the Adrian Peterson of uh elbows here uh or, or at least he has Adrian Peterson's elbow as uh, as as Adrian Peterson came back from his uh, or I guess kind of reset the uh, revolution for for coming back from ACL surgeries and everything like that. So 
But now that he's fine, like he runs it perfectly, man. Like this is a this is a perfect system for Brock Purdy to to run. And and now that we see the whole Trey Lance debacle uh happen, where you know they trade away to the Cowboys and everything, Kyle Shanahan took a lot of heat for that specifically. But I, that was not Kyle Shanahan's call. It was it was the it was the GM uh, John Lynch who basically so the the 49ers essentially I. Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones, right? Which, if you imagine Mac Jones with what we've seen him him do in New England, imagine Mac Jones in a Kyle Shanahan offense, they'd be really good, right? So Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones originally, but but uh, John Lynch, the GM, was like, no, we have to get, you know, we have to get Trey Lance because I I don't know why, like the guy hasn't played football at all in his life, so whatever. Uh, and obviously now they trade away, and people are saying that's the worst, uh, the worst draft pick or worst like trade that that's ever happened is how much they gave up uh, to get Trey Lance when now they've they've, they've traded him away in the first place. But regardless, they have their guy in Brock Purdy who they kind of lucked into in the first place. But again, works in Kyle Shanahan's system. You have Christian McCaffrey, you have Elijah Mitchell, you know, all the pieces return, Debo Samuel. He there was like kind of worries that he might not resign. He did earlier in the offseason. Brandon Ayuk is going to be looking at uh, you know, a bigger target share this year. And, and George Kittle, who's you know, arguably the best or second best tight end in the league. And and then a defense which, you know, like personnel-wise, roster-wise, is the most talented in the league as well. So, right, you know, the fact that obviously Tamika Ryan's leaving is is a big deal. And, and you know, the way that Steve Wilkes calls the defense is going to be, you know, might not be as great as Tamika Ryan's was at it. But Steve Wilkes had success in other places. You know, he, he stepped in. He stepped in. For for the for the Panthers last season, I remember Hayden. You know, when we were doing the Panthers preview, Hayden said they went six and six to end the season. The Panthers did. Who would have expected that with Sam Darnold as your quarterback, right? And so, you know, to to see that that like type of transformation from a team that you know started the season with Matt Rule and it was just really it was just really bad to then go six and six with not really much roster talent at all. I think Steve Wilkes is going to be a fine defensive coordinator. Preseason again, I hate to mention the preseason stat. It's I don't think it's necessarily super alarming um, because, again, it's the preseason and a lot of teams just don't really try in the preseason. So uh, they're more so just trying to figure out the roster than they are, you know, trying to trying to really stop, you know, stop the other teams from scoring necessarily. So, uh, yeah, I just I wanted to be a 49ers hater. I kind of I kind of have been the past few years and they just kind of keep proving me wrong. So I think I just have to ride the wave this year and and, and be positive on the 49ers for once. All right. Well, with this win total at 10 and a half, I think it's a pretty easy, pretty easy over. They went 13 and four last year. I think that they were on a 10 game win streak for 10 the season. So I think they started three and four. Yeah, and they, I think you're they, right. Yeah, they went yeah. 10 and including including season. a loss to the Bears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird, dude. Like, yeah. how does that happen anyway? Uh, yeah, I think it's a pretty easy over here. I, I mean, 11 wins is totally in the cards for this 49ers team. So give me the over. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, you know, they were in the NFC championship last year and had Brock Hurdy. Brock Purdy, uh, you know, not gotten his elbow snapped. I think they could have stuck with the Eagles and, and possibly had a, a Super Bowl rematch there from a couple of years ago with the 49ers and Chiefs. I actually, that's that's the Super Bowl that I had. Like when I when we, me and Hayden, you know, we were doing yeah. our, our preview and everything. I had the Chiefs and the 49ers in the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah. So seeing that and then coming back with basically all the same players, Nick Bosa, too. I, I forgot to mention him. There's been a little bit of contract abuse and it's like, you know, they're not sure if he's going to show up for week one. Obviously, he's a great. I mean, he won Defensive Player of the Year last year. He's a, a very big piece of that defense, so they need him to be there. But again, you know, with the with the prospect of like, as long as this team sticks together, you're you're probably on track to at least participate in a Super Bowl or at least have a good chance to get there. I feel like they'll they'll figure it out with Nick Bosa and they'll you know they'll give him some money. Uh, so now now that you're now that you don't have to be paying Trey Lance any more money. Uh, so yeah, so I'm gonna go over on this 49ers as well. 
All right, moving on to our second team in the NFC West here. we got the Seahawks sitting at nine wins flat. That is a it's a little bit of a switch up from the halves that we've been seeing for most of these teams that we've been doing, even in our past previews, you know, last week and stuff. I think people might be getting a little bit trigger happy with this receiving core. People are calling this the best receiving core in the league by far. And I mean, I see it sort of, especially with Geno Smith at quarterback, like that definitely helps then, you know, rather than having a guy like Drew Locke or anybody else that that hasn't proven themselves, Geno Smith has proven himself. So I think that. Yes, people are, are correct in saying that this is a top five receiving core. I'm not going to, you know, crap on them too much, but I don't think that they're the best. I mean, DK Metcalf is a freak. We know that. We know what DK Metcalf can do. Tyler Lockett, I think people are forgetting that he's getting a little bit old. I mean, he's been a huge piece of this team for, I, I mean, as long as I can remember. I mean, he's he's probably the the one guy that's been there for, you know, all their success in the past with Russell Wilson and then kind of their also their downs, you know, losing the Super Bowl to the Patriots and everything like that. Like he's been through all those ups and downs with this team and he's been a solid piece ever since for for the whole time. But he is getting kind of old. It's kind of a new era in in Seattle now with Geno Smith coming in and, and being really good. DK Metcalf still kind of young guy. And then we've got JSN, you know, J- Jackson Smith and Jigba coming in. He's still a rookie. We haven't seen him play a, a regular season game in the NFL yet. So th- that's kind of just another reason why I think people are getting a little bit too excited about this receiving core when we haven't really seen too, too much from them. So I still am very high on the Seahawks. I think that they're a great team. They went nine and eight last year. Much of a surprise to a lot of people. Their secondary is also could be top three as well. I mean, they got Devon Witherspoon in the draft this year and then th- in the draft last year. They got uh, Tariq Woolen, who is essentially Sauce Gardner 2.0, but he never gets talked about because Sauce has a cool name. <laughs> That's basically why. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's they're basically the same player. And Tariq Woolen, I think, was on track to be defensive player of the year or rookie defensive rookie of the year last year. He ended up not winning it because I think Sauce Gardner has a, has a cooler name, but I'll just keep that to myself. Um, and then I think that nobody's really talking about Jamal Adams making a return. Now, he's not going to be ready for week one. He had a, he like tore his quad last year or something like that in the first game. He only played 33 snaps, but he's going to come back this year at some point. They're going to, it's one of those things where they're going to make sure that he's okay. Like they're going to make sure he's hundred percent before they do bring him back, bring him back because they don't want him to come back and then re-tear or re-injure something right away. So they're going to wait a little bit, but it's, I mean, it's a 17 game season. I probably expect him to be back within the first four to six weeks. And so I think that having him back for that, you know, kind of like last two thirds of the season will really help this, the Seahawks defense. And again, Seahawks defense that's proved themselves and then their offense has just gotten so much better than even two years ago. So I'm pretty high on the Seahawks team. Again, I think that Jamal Adams, like he's really good. Like he was one of the best defensive players in the league just a few years ago. And he's struggled with injuries recently, but with him coming back and hopefully being a hundred percent, I think that, Nobody's really talking about that, and that could be a huge X, X factor for this defense. Pretty high on the Seahawks this year, Matt. What do you think? I I think so. Yeah. I mean, again, it's 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 just so different from what we thought this team was going to be coming into last season compared to where they ended up. Right. I mean, I think the win total on the Seahawks last year was five and a half, and I think we both went under because <laughs> again, we thought, oh yeah, Geno Smith. Again, he's washed up. He's not going to be good. Either him or Drew Locke at quarterback. Like none of that's not going to work. But. Geno Smith ended up coming out and, and playing great, right? And obviously you have the rookie Kenneth Walker who comes out and also plays great. Uh, and, and and again, 
the core of this team when they had Russell Wilson was still really good. I mean, you know, DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett have been there for a long time. And, and so I think that, you know, that kind of, I think we overlooked that. I think a lot of people overlooked the fact that like, as long as you had competent quarterback play, the rest of the team is going to kind of figure itself out. I mean, Pete Carroll's a great head coach and, and he knows what he's doing. So uh, yeah. Now in terms of this year, and again, you know, they, they went nine and eight last year. They made the playoffs. They got shellacked by the 49ers in the first round of the playoffs, but we were all kind of expecting that. Uh, and again, a team that wasn't supposed to come close to making the playoffs last year, they ended up doing it. And so, you know, to a certain extent, I, I understand kind of the, you know, the, the, why this win total is where it is. I mean, it's flat at nine, which is pretty much, you know, are they going to have a winning record or not? Uh, and I, I tend to err on the side of like, they're probably going to be closer to nine and eight. I mean, I don't want to say that this is going to push because I don't, you know, we, we gotta, we gotta make a choice here. I feel like it's, it's kind of stupid to, to just be giving a, uh, you know, giving a, giving out an, an even bet there. So I'm probably, if anything, I'm probably going to go over slightly, Again, I, I wouldn't bet this with my own money. Like, I don't, I don't think the Seahawks are going to go ten and seven, uh, but I do think that ten and seven is probably a little bit more likely than eight and nine. Just because, again, they they didn't, you know, they they don't play the first place schedule like the 49ers do, and and I think that you know, as long as Gino, and that's that's the thing, right? Is is like, is Gino going to continue to be what he was last year, or even be close to what he was last year? And 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 because we saw him kind of fall off at the end of last year, right? So they started out really hot you know, they kind of like, it was, it was really, it was cooking, they were working. And then towards the end of last year, you know, they, they didn't perform, they didn't play as well that, you know, they kind of lost some games they shouldn't have. So if that's an indication of how we're kind of coming into this season, I don't really like it, you know? And, and I think that that's kind of where I try to zigzag, you know, kind of when it comes to the perception of what, you know, what this team did in the year last year, it's similar to the lions where, they finished the season eight and two. They beat the Packers in that last game. You know, you know, Packers don't go to the playoffs because of it. But the Lions, they look great, but they don't look they don't come off a loss in the playoffs, which is what you know their season would have would have entailed if they had made the playoffs. Whereas the Seahawks are kind of the same deal. They finish the regular season really badly, and then they get crushed in a playoff game against a divisional opponent in the 49ers, who they hadn't come close to beating all season in the two other matchups, right? So you come out the season kind of being negative about Geno Smith, but I'm thinking, right. As long as like, as long as it can kind of be similar to what it was last year, I see them having a, a pretty similar record. So I'm going to go over, but this is probably the one in the, in the entire episode where I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm least confident in for sure. All right. Well, I'm going to probably go over as well, but I, I kind of have the same sentiment as Matt that I think it's just more likely that they go over that nine than go under, but I could definitely see a push happening and like Matt said, it's very boring to say push. So I think it's just a little bit more likely that they go over. Now I think it's, yeah, exactly what Matt said. So I'm just going to go with that. Moving on to the Rams here, the third and second to last team in the NFC West. They're sitting at six and a half projected wins. The Rams are an interesting team because a lot of people are really low on them this year, but I don't really see it. I mean, dude, as long as Matthew Stafford stays healthy and so does Cooper Cup, like this offense is going to be pretty good. Their offensive line is, has just been kind of criticized in in past years of just being really light. I don't know, like I've read I've read that somewhere that their average weight for an offensive lineman is is like three hundred ten pounds, and that's almost ten pounds lighter than basically every other team in the league. Which I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but they just they basically just draft or sign offensive linemen, light offensive linemen, in order to kind of have them work better in space, which sort of makes sense because of how they how they scheme it up and you know pulling their guards and stuff like you have to have guys that are fast enough to to get to the backer and everything like that 
on run plays at least, but I don't know. It's it's that was kind of a weird stat that I saw, but they did draft Steve Avila Avila. I I don't really know how to pronounce his name, but he's out of TCU. Um, and then he's like weirdly three hundred thirty pounds, so he's he's kind of way above the rest of the offensive line in terms of weight. So maybe they're trying to you know kind of flip that culture around for their offensive line. I still think that their offensive line is going to be kind of shaky, um, but I do think that one. X factor to this offense is Van Jefferson. He could have a breakout year, especially if Stafford and Cooper Cup aren't really clicking for some reason, which I think that that may happen. Like they may they may not be as good as they have been in past years. Van Jefferson is now the number two by far receiver. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Cooper Cup has any type of injury trouble or you know is, is kind of slowed, maybe he may not miss time, but if he's kind of if his if his game is kind of hindered by injuries and and he's and he's he's a little bit limping around and stuff like that, I think Van Jefferson could easily be a very very good option for the Rams this year and honestly a good fantasy option. So maybe if you're looking still looking for fantasy advice, um, go there. But yeah, and then my other note is that Aaron Donald still exists. I mean, he's won defense. He's he's won you know defensive player of the year so many times. I mean, I think he won it like three years in a row or something like that, or four years in a row. So, um, yeah, so this defense is still pretty nice. It's uh, it's it's not as good as it was in past years. You know, Jalen Ramsey left. I think they still have, like, Troy Hill uh, and, and, at, at safety. So, come see, come saw, a little French for you there, but um, which means okay. But, yeah, I, I think that this Rams team is, is kind of still middle of the line, but I think six and a half is kind of low for them because they seem like a team that could go seven and ten. So, that kind of hints towards what I'm going to pick here. And I, I probably am going to pick just to kind of speed, speed up um, our, our ending of the episode here. So I, I am actually going to go over for the Rams. Matt, what do you think? I don't think so. Uh, it's, it's, they're going to be good. I think they're going to be better to start the season because you have a, a healthy Stafford and a healthy Cooper cup. Oh, by the way, Cooper cups already missing the first game. Well, they haven't announced it officially, but he's probably going to be out for the first game because he's still coming back from the injury from last year. So like, He's already banged up going into the season. Stafford, as we know, like basically broke his spine, like, and he's playing through it. Like, that's one of the toughest guys of all time, and nobody ever talks about it. Uh, but that hinders you when it comes to, okay, great. You know, you played through a broken, broken spine and won a Super Bowl. I hope it was worth it, you know, because now this team is nothing. And, and you know, the, the Les Snead, who's the, the Rams GM, was, you know, was all about F them picks, like had the T-shirts and everything, and okay, cool. So now your team sucks and you don't have a chance of being good again for probably 10 years because you're actually going to have to build up the team. So it just, it's just as bad vibes all around. Like the, the team is not good. Um, obviously Hayden said the offensive line is not good. You know, you have Stafford and cup, which, okay, that's a great combination. You know, they, they cup probably could, if he didn't miss a couple games of the, uh, of the season two years ago, he probably would have broken the receptions record. Like again, he won offense player of the year. He won at Super Bowl MVP. He's a great player. That's great. But like, is he going to be able to stay healthy? I don't know. And I know that, you know, a lot of this, you know, we shouldn't just be projecting injury, but I can't trust it from what I've seen for the past couple of times, past couple years uh, of this team. But the defense is what scares me, dude. Like this is, if you're going to take any stat from this episode, and if you're still listening, thank you so much, because you're going to get the stat of a lifetime here. This defense combined starts lowest in NFL history because they're basically starting I think more rookies than team than players who have even played an NFL snap before you're obviously anchored by Aaron Donald but what can he do when there's nobody else on this team to support him they traded away Bobby Wagner they traded away Michael Floyd I just like 
I think in terms of, in total total free agents, I think they gave away 30 players and they got three in free agency. Now they drafted a lot of players because they actually have some picks in the later round of this draft. But just that alone, it's like it, like the Super Bowl was good and they won it. And that's cool. And and congratulations. And again, if if you trade like you sitting there right now, wherever you're whatever you're doing, like if your favorite team could win a Super Bowl and then suck for the next 10 years, would you take that Super Bowl? I'm sure you'd say yes to every, you know, every single time I would do the same. So that's fine. But like in terms of betting on this team this season, I think you got to be high on them to begin with. Like, I, I think I, I actually, I actually already, I bet them against the, Se- the Seahawks in the first game. The spread was like five. Everybody's like, oh, the Seahawks are going to crush them. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think the Rams are going to hold their own in that first game. And I think for the first couple games until, right, until we kind of see some, some, you know, some, some injury attrition as well as kind of the defense just kind of completely blowing up. So yeah, just, just all around, like, I, I don't see I don't see the positive of where this team can be. I've heard some people, you know, kind of make some cases, people that I respect in the betting space and whatever, make some cases for why this team could be good. So I definitely I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hayden's right and they go, you know, they have eight or nine wins or, you know, whatever it may be. But I don't see it at all. So I'm going to go under for sure. All right. Well, that brings us to our last and definitely least team of the episode yeah. here. Yeah. We got the Cardinals sitting at four and a half wins, projected wins. This is, I mean, this is one of the lowest win totals you'll see for any NFL team. It's actually, yeah. they changed it. It's now because when they trade, because in the last week, remember that this is another good reason why we're doing this today. Yeah. They traded away or they cut Colt McCoy and they, and they signed Josh Dobbs, who is now yeah. going to be their starting quarterback. And so they actually dropped the win total to three and a half now, which wow. in a lot of the, and again, everything I follow on Twitter, it's all betting accounts and stuff. And people are like, this might be the lowest win total we've ever seen. Yeah going into you know a preseason win total uh, that's ever been available so just saying that aloud like is is crazy for how for the expectations of this team yeah and it matches up perfectly with my first point that this and matt said it last episode too i think this could be one of the worst teams in nfl history they, they could yeah. work, turn out to be you know like a a, a a lions in 20 whatever it was when they you know went zero and 16 i think it was um they're Offseason moves have just been so terrible. And <laughs> one of them being, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, they traded away Isaiah Simmons basically for a sack of cheese balls. Like they it was a seventh round pick. Okay. They gave it, they gave Isaiah Simmons to the Giants for a seventh round pick. Isaiah Simmons maybe has underperformed, but he's still, I mean, the dude's a unicorn. Like he's like a six foot six, I don't know, 230 pound linebacker who runs like a four, five, forty. Like, what are we doing, dude? Why are we trading him away for a seventh round pick? I understand if he's been underperforming and he, he hasn't really been as good, but the rest of your team sucks. So what is he going to do? I mean, when your team kind of sucks, are you going to really, you know, is, is is a second year guy or a third year guy really going to step up and be the standout guy on a team? I don't I don't really know. I think you got to give him more of a chance than that. But yeah, I just don't really know. Like, if they would have traded away Isaiah Simmons for something actually of value maybe i would have been like okay yeah this this cardinals team kind of knows what they're doing but they don't and it's it is just so sad to see i also have a theory that uh that kyler murray may not come back at all this season he i mean obviously he wouldn't come back until late if he were to come back it would be very much later in the season but i think even if he is healthy later on in the season healthy enough to come back they're not going to put him in because they'll probably at a po- be at a point where they're 0 and 11 at that point. And so it's like, do you really want to bring a, a guy like Kyler Murray back in to risk him getting injured where, where he's really the only, your only chance for the future risk him getting injured again. And, you know, maybe even re tearing his ACL or doing something else 
bad to his body. I just think that they're going to be such in such a bad place if he does become healthy enough to play again that they're just going to keep Kyler Murray out and they're going to play out the rest of the season and just tank for the number one pick and maybe trade it away to uh, to another team because they, they don't need Caleb Williams, right? They're going to probably trade away the, the number one pick. That's my prediction, you know, way too early prediction for what's going to happen with the Cardinals and kind of at the end of their season and everything like that. So, yeah, I mean, give me give me the under on this four. And, I mean, now that's three and a half. I think I'm still going to go under. I think that they're still going to hit the under on on even at, at three and a half wins. So I think that three and 14 is is in the cards for this team, to say the least. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, it's just bad all around. I don't even have much to say because we've either already said it or it's because th- there's nothing good that's coming out of, you know, that's coming out of this. Uh, I think, it, you know, to kind of touch on the Kyler Murray thing, I think Hayden's right. Like, he's probably going to be ready to come back like halfway through the season, like October-ish, maybe end of October. But the the Cardinals are, are setting themselves up, which again, if, if you're going to suck this bad, at least have draft equity. And if the Texans are really bad this year, which I, I, I said that they were going to go under six and a half, I think they'll probably, you know, they'll probably be bottom 10 in the league. Uh, the Cardinals are, are almost going to be guaranteed two top 10 picks in, in next year's draft. And in fact, they probably could have the first and second pick if the, if the Texans are really bad because if the Texans gave him their first round pick for next year as well. So, you know, that's a little bit of hope. Uh, but if, if, if the only, if the, if the, if the first positive thing I say about the Cardinals is about next year's draft, that tells you a whole lot about how this season is going to go uh, for the Cardinals. And I think to kind of, I guess I brought up the Kyler Murray thing and didn't even, didn't even talk about it. I think they're going to trade Kyler Murray before, anything even happens with him, you know, trying to be on the field or whatever. This team's trying to tank. Cool. We get it. That's, that's all right. Uh, you know, they have some skill pieces. Okay. But everyone that's worth anything, they've traded away. So just not, you know, the Isaiah Samus thing is weird, but there's been, I mean, basically I think the, the sentiment on that is that he wanted to leave like, because I think because the team wasn't trying and he wanted to just have a place where he could actually be happy to play football. So I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's all, it's all bad. I think, you know, I, for as much as it's, you know, they had, they had a chance, you know, a couple of years ago, the Cardinals started out eight and no, I think nine and no, uh, made it to the playoffs. I think they, or no, I think they lost to the Rams in the first round of the playoffs. That was the year the Rams won the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I mean, Kyler Murray played really well and that was, now he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL and he's going to be sitting on the bench. And he's probably going to be traded and they're going to offload his contract. And it's just, it's just kind of a, a bunch of bad stuff. Uh, so yeah, so I'm not, I'm not even going to go on any longer. I'm just going to say I go under on the Cardinals, which is crazy to think that this is the lowest, again, lowest win total that we've ever seen in the history of the NFL. And we're still both going under on it. That's uh, yeah, that says something. Yeah. That's, that's very bad. I think that Matt and I agreed on more win totals or more over-unders this episode than we have in the past two episodes, which is pretty cool to see. But um, yeah, still disagreed on a, on a few, but I think that overall we're kind of in the same realm on in terms of where we're at with, with most of these teams in the NFC North and NFC West. But with that being said, that does round out the episode today. We got eight more teams done, so we only have eight left. We've been through uh, 24 teams total now at this point, and we have eight more to go on Wednesday and then that'll finish up our NFL previews and finish up our totality, the totality of our football preview episodes um, for, for the month of August. This is episode eight and then episode nine will be the final one. So almost 10 episodes full of just previewing football for this year, which I think is lovely. I mean, it's love the taste of it anyway. um, 
thank you guys so much for listening. And again, it'll be AFC North and AFC West on Wednesday. Super stoked for that. Hope you guys are too. And if you are still listening to this, I say it every time, but we love you. And that means that you are a real one and actually enjoy listening to us, which I hope that you continue to do so. But yes, with that being said, um, we're going to, we're going to kind of sign off for today. Happy Sunday. And we will see you guys middle of the week.